You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Hang around after the message for more information about Mission Ridge Church. Sermon notes for this message or any of our other messages can be found through our website, missionridge.church. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy. We're going to continue our series, Be a Disciple, Make a Disciple. And it's cyclical that way. For 2,000 years, the church has moved forward as people have said yes to following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and being on mission with Jesus, which is our next slide. And we get this definition of what it means to be a disciple. Uh, Can we do next slide? Oh, did we not add that in? That's my fault. All right, we can go backwards. Let's go backwards one. Um, So we get this definition of what it means to be a disciple out of Matthew 4, 19. Jesus said to Peter and his brother Andrew, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And, and out of that verse, we get this simple but profound definition of what it means to be a disciple. We're following Jesus, we're being changed by Jesus, and we are on mission with Jesus. In other words, whatever, whatever it is Jesus wants to do in the world, that's what we want to be a part of. And we got this, we'll go ahead and go to this next slide. We've talked about, we've talked through this, what it means to share our lives with people, what it means to share new truths with people, what it means to share new habits with people. This is, this is how we share our faith. And, and we at Mission Ridge, we like to start with sharing our lives. You know, we, we could just show up with a blowhorn and tell people from 50 feet away uh, what kind of problems that they have, but then we would be ignoring our, our own problems. And we probably shouldn't do that. So... Um, so we want to start by sharing our lives because we know that we are roughly right too. That's one of our core values as a church. And as we share our lives, then we have an opportunity to share new truths. And because they know that we love them, they'll care about the things that, that we want to talk about, the things that we believe are true. But we don't just want to share things with people. We want to actually help them get connected to to God. And we're not talking about conversion here. We're talking about going deeper in our relationship. What does it look like to go deeper in our relationship? Well, 28 years ago, I I was asked an inordinate amount of times to to pray for things only because I was in Bible school. That was the one qualifier. Rob, will you pray for this event? Because, well, you're in Bible school. Rob, will you pray for this house? Why? Because you're in Bible school. Rob, we're getting ready to study the Bible. Will you pray for us? Why? Because you're in Bible school. Oh, do you remember the first time someone asked you to pray in a public setting? 
That's the worst feeling ever, right? I don't know why. I don't know why it felt so awkward for me. I mean, the, my muscles in my neck, they would tense up. My hands, they would get sweaty. And it seems like all the saliva from my mouth went to my hands because there was nothing left here. I was just, you know, dry mouth and nervous. And, you know, of course, we're holding hands and our eyes are closed. And, and I wanted to use the one thing that I was taught in Bible school about prayer. I wanted to use the one thing, which is, which is to avoid praying. When we would go to dinner or go to lunch as a, as a group of students, we would sit around the table and the food's coming, right? And someone would set their thumb on the table. And the next guy or gal, then when they noticed it, they would set their thumb on the table until one unlucky person hadn't set their thumb on the table and they had to pray. The one skill that Bible school taught me about prayer was how to avoid it. And it was the only thing I wanted to do when people asked me, Rob, you're in Bible school. Why don't you pray for us? <laughs> you know, I was like, I always picture myself like going, you know, sneaking away while they all, they all had their, but we're holding hands. You can't really sneak away and or, like they know I'm there because my hand's so wet that the, there's, no, there's no escape. Why is it that we first come to Christ, praying seems weird, hard, awkward. Anybody still there kind of in that phase where like, I don't want to pray in a group at all. Yeah, we get some head nods in there like, yep, yep, I'm going to use my thumb from now on. That's how I'm getting out of this. I gave you a useful skill tonight. Yeah, why is it so awkward? Well, we've talked about, and let's go back to the diagram. We've talked about the fact that Physical growth and spiritual growth seems to happen in the same way. You notice that when babies come out, they don't start running and then go to walking and then go to toddling, right? They all start out toddling and then eventually they start walking and eventually after that they could run, Physical growth and spiritual growth, there's some real similarities there. Hold on to that idea because Mark Batterson, in his book, whispers how, how to hear the voice of God, says that we are learning, when we come to Christ, we learn a spiritual language. And he says this, infants need to hear their parents to repeat sounds thousands of times before they're able to enunciate those same sounds. Infants need to hear their parents repeat sounds thousands of times before they're able to enunciate those same words. In fact, infants on average within the first year know five words. Now, wouldn't it be awful if, if, you know, 
it, once a year, you know, every year we learn just another five words. It doesn't work that way. Because by year six, we know 14,000 words on average. So year one, five words. Year six, 14,000 words. What if when we come to Christ and we're learning this spiritual language of God, it's the same way. We learn to toddle. It feels awkward. We don't have our legs underneath us yet. We don't have the language yet. We don't quite, like we need that exposure over and over and over again. What if we need community to help us grow and learn that spiritual language? Huh. And, and, and is, it, is it important for me to learn, Rob? You might be asking yourself that question like, Pastor, you learn it, and I'll just come listen to you. Why can't I just hear from the guy or the gal on stage? Well, Genesis 22, uh, there's some things that we can learn from, from, from Abraham's life and from, from Israel when we look at their stories. So Genesis 22:18 says this, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. God is saying to Abraham, I'm gonna bless your lineage because you obeyed my commands, my book of rules. No, you obeyed my voice, God says. You've obeyed my voice. The Hebrew words are these, Shema and Kol. Shema means to hear or to obey. In fact, in the Jewish mind, to hear is to obey. If, you, if your son hears you, they will obey. If they didn't hear you for whatever reason, their heart wasn't ready to hear you, they won't obey. Um, this phrase, Shema Kol, by the way, shows up the first time in Genesis chapter 3 where God says to Adam, because you obeyed the voice of your wife, these are the things that are going to take place. This is what's going to take place. And it's not that the voice of our wives are evil, but in this case, God's saying, instead of obeying my voice, you obeyed her voice. And the implication is this, we were always supposed to obey God's voice. We, were, we need to learn his voice. We need to understand his voice. We need to learn the language of his voice. It's a spiritual language. It's new to our ears when we first start learning it, but we need to learn his voice. Seven times in Torah, 
seven times while the Israelites are out in the wilderness, they are told to obey the voice of God. Seven times. That's, in the Jewish mind, that's a complete number. Like God says a complete number of times, you need to obey my voice. Again, are they supposed to obey rules? Yes. A book of laws? Yeah, that too. But more specifically, more intimately, God wants the people of Israel to obey his voice. Well, when we get to the end of the Hebrew Bible, the end of what we call the Old Testament, 15 times we're told that they did not obey his voice. They did not. Jeremiah tells us a dozen times that they did not obey his voice. Daniel tells us three times that the Israelites did not obey his voice. And maybe, maybe that's the problem that we see in the Old Testament. And maybe that's why Christ had to come. Look at Exodus 20. Because I think we're told why in Exodus 20, the people did not obey the voice of God. All the people perceived the thunder and the lightning flashes and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. I don't think I blame them. So just for context, Exodus 20, God gives the 10 commandments up to verse 17, verse 18, the people, they perceive thunder. That's wild. <laughs> like they, they're seeing it. They see thunder. Wow. And the lightning flashes in the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking and the people saw it. They trembled and stood at a distance. Then they said to Moses, you speak to us yourself and we will listen, but let not God Speak to us or we will die. Moses, you speak to us and we will speak to you. Moses, you be our proxy. Moses, you be our go-between. Moses, you filter things for us. Have you ever wanted someone to be your proxy when it came to God? To be your go-between. See, in the history of Israel, the history of Israel, we see this. And tell me if I'm wrong. There's typically one person. Sometimes there's more, but typically one person that has this connection with God. Think of David. Think of the prophets. Think of the judges. There's some other good kings. There's usually one person that seems to have this connection to God and everybody else comes to this one person. What happens when you remove that one person? All hell breaks loose, pun intended. 
the people go in disarray. The people are confused. They don't know how to do right things. That was my life. In my teens, in my early 20s, if, if my godly friend was in my life, that person that I had a connection to God through, if they were there, man, I could figure out how to do good things all the time. You get rid of that person, it's a basket case. I went with the crowd, I went with the flow, I did what everybody else was doing. And maybe that describes your life either now or at some point or someone close to you. And you're like, why do they always get led astray? Like they, sometimes they connect and then they get led astray. They, they reconnect and they get led astray. Are they working through a proxy? Do they have their connection with God through another human being instead of a direct connection where they are hearing the voice of God? Because I think that's the problem that we see in the Old Testament. We will talk in footnotes about how that plays out in the New Testament, but, but look at what... Look at what, John, what Jesus says in John chapter 10. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. So Jesus is going to present himself as the, as the great shepherd here in John chapter 10. And he says, he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by the name, by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. We, my friends, are supposed to know the voice of the great shepherd, Jesus. And we're supposed to go where he leads us. A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of the strangers. Jesus wants us to learn this spiritual language, which takes time and effort and takes proximity. It takes community to figure it out. But Jesus wants us to know his voice so that, you know, in this spiritually confusing world, when someone else speaks, we don't get distracted because we know his voice, because we, we live out the values that he has taught us, because we're going where he's leading us. That's why as a church right now, we're fasting together we're fasting together so that together we could ask the great shepherd, are we going where you are leading us? Because this is his church. And we want to go where he's leading. And we don't want to be distracted. And, and this is a spiritual discipline that we're doing 
together. Now, I'm going to back up a couple, probably a couple slides. Uh, Mark Patterson says, listening to those who listen to God is no substitute for seeking him yourself. Listening to those who listen to God is no substitute for seeking him yourself. We need to know the voice of Jesus. And my role and Logan's role and anybody else that comes up here and neither leads worship or, or when Jen preaches, we're not to take the place of Jesus in your life. We're to encourage you towards Jesus. We're to champion you connecting with Jesus. We're to journey with you as you learn to follow Jesus, but we're not to stand in, in the way. And we're not going to make you come through us. We're on that same journey with you, learning his voice, connecting with him through spiritual disciplines that we are figuring out as we go. Like there's people still discipling me. There's a pastor down Colorado Springs that is my coach. I called him a couple weeks ago. Hey, here's what I'm facing. What do you recommend I do? I don't have it all figured out. And Mark Batterson also says this, if we listen to everything God, if we don't listen to everything God has to say, if we don't listen to everything, we eventually won't hear anything he has to say. So from, from Mark's perspective, there's really two primary things that get in our way of living out the life that, that God has called us to. The one is going through someone else, only listening to what this person hears from God, never actually listening to God ourselves. The second thing is picking and choosing what we're going to listen to when God does speak. I've done both of these. Dangerous. I need a personal connection with Christ. I start my day working on my own personal connection long before I ever start to think about how do I help you with yours? But when God speaks to me, I have to make sure I'm willing to listen to everything. And sometimes it's hard. I'd rather go to that mountain where things are flashing and there's <laughs> like that seems less scary than deal with some of the things that God asks me to deal with sometimes. How do we learn this spiritual language? How do we get past the awkwardness? How do we toddle for a season and then start walking and then start running? How do we learn this spiritual language that God invites us to learn, to know his voice? It starts with community. Not just any community, a community that's full of grace and truth, a community that says, you know what? You're roughly right, just like the rest of us. You don't have it figured out. We're figuring it out ourselves. It starts with a grace-filled, truthful 
community. Jesus was full of grace and truth. I need grace. I need truth. And this is, this is the, the place where it's safe to be yourself. It's, it's safe to make mistakes. It's safe to not get it right. It's safe to pray the dumbest prayer in the world, whatever that could be. It's safe to be foolish. It's safe to be unwise at times. Because of the grace of God, because of Jesus Christ, because of who he is, that's where we learn. That community is where we can be awkward and real and pray a prayer that for the first time and the people around you will just love you. The people around you will just love you. Now, I told you about 28 years ago when I was in Bible school and everybody wanted me to pray because I was in Bible school and I had that, that one skill set, right? Avoiding prayer. That was the only thing that they taught me in Bible school about prayer. Well, fast forward four years. And I, I'd been in community for four, five years. By that time, there were three guys that really invested in me, Don and Frankie and and Walt, and we did Bible studies together, and we prayed together, and we did life together, and, and uh, we wrestled through things, and they just loved me when I was a knucklehead, which was a lot. A lot of knuckleheading going on in my life. And uh, we had, um, Christy and I had Jake and Josh, and we had Joy on the way, and we had this 700 square foot house. It had one and a half bad bedrooms for four going on five people. And uh, Christy's dad had passed. And so Christy had an inheritance and we had $20,000 in the bank. And I, I talked to my uncle, a uh, really good guy. And I said, how much to, to uh, add on to our house? And he said, well, you know, for 700 square feet, you're looking at about $28,000. I'm going, mm, about $8,000 off. That's not going to work. So we tried selling the house and we had it on the market. And we got to this point where I'm like, I told Christy, I'm like, uh, I just feel like we're heading the wrong way for some reason. And I said, and I don't get what that means. I said, but this is so frustrating. I think we need to pray. And I decided to do something that I hate doing, which is fasting. Um, I think the word is wrong because it doesn't go fast. That's just my personal opinion. Uh, but I decided to fast. And this was the shortest fast I've ever been on because, because God gave me an answer the very next day. So I went to work. I came back. I'm picking Christy up to take her to a doctor visit. And I'm looking at the house, and I don't have very many of these guys, to be honest with you, but the Lord was like, add on to the house. Two bedrooms and a family room. And I'm like, looking around. I'm toddling, because I've never heard God speak to me like this before. I didn't know if this was God or the pizza I had the night before. Like, I, I didn't know. 
I went to my friend Frankie. Man, I miss Frankie. Frankie played a steel guitar, and when he sang Amazing Grace, he sounded like Elvis. Cool dude. He was a contractor, and I said, Frankie, I said, I was praying, and I believe God wants me to add on to our house, 700 square feet. He goes, okay, let's do it. My eyes were as big as the Israelites at the base of that mountain. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? I'm like, how much is this going to cost us? He goes, I don't know. Let's find out. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, Frankie, you believe that God speaks to me? That was a shocking part. God speaks to me? Like, I've prayed a lot of prayers that direction. I had very few of them come back to me. I'd never closed that circuit before. I didn't know. But Frankie had a quiet confidence that God was in this. I could tell you all kinds of cool things about how, how we, not only did we add 700 square feet for $20,000, but we replaced the kitchen and we replaced all the windows and we replaced all the siding and we re-roofed the whole house. Like, I quite literally experienced a miracle. I don't care about that as much as I cared about the fact that I heard God's voice and someone helped me to understand that. That community helped me know the voice of God in my life. And it shaped the way Christy and I pray together 24 years later. Maybe 22 years later. The implication is this. Learning to connect deeper with God takes time within a safe community. It's learning a language, a spiritual language that is life-changing. And we should be championing people engaging in that as a community. For those of us that experienced it, we need to pass that experience along. For those of you who are just coming to this for the first time, it's going to take a step of faith. You're going to have to step out and go, yeah, I'm going to try this. I'll pray. Sweaty palms and all. I'll give this a try. This is our call to discipleship, to be a disciple that connects into community where we can learn these things and to make disciples once we've learned it to help others experience it too. This is our calling as disciples. 
So a couple of easy action steps. One, look for ways to connect deeper with God within your care group or life transforming group this week. Within your community, look for ways to connect deeper. Tell people about the awkward part. It's okay. These are safe places to go. I've never prayed like that before. Or I don't understand what this passage means. It's confusing to me. It's okay to say, this confuses me. You're learning a language. It's a spiritual language. You don't have to have it all figured out. No one starts out having it all figured out. I'm 51 years old. I don't have it all figured out. And I don't feel compelled to have it all figured out. I'm still growing in Christ. You can too. Look for ways to connect deeper with God this week in your safe community. Number two, share your stories with others about how you've learned to connect deeper with God. Disciple makers, we need you. We need you to share your experiences so that others can have that experience as well. And this is one of those experiences when we come to communion. When we reflect on what Christ means to us, when we reflect on what he has done. Not just what his life meant to us, but the fact that he went to the cross. The fact that he said, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. The fact that he was under so much pressure that he sweat blood. The fact in the night in which he is betrayed that he took bread and when he broke it, he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember him. That same night, when he could have been thinking about so many other things. He was thinking about you and I remembering him today. He said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's remember. Father, we love you. And we're so grateful. We're so grateful for the relationship that you call us into. That's not just that uh, we can know about you that we could learn truths about you, that we could learn uh, some things through rote memory, that we can pass tests, that we could uh, be able to argue successfully about what kind of God you are, but more than that, way more than that, that you invite us into a personal relationship where we can hear and know your voice, know your leading, know your provision, know that you see our needs and you care. Thank you that you're that kind of God. Lord, I I hope that every person in this room, that beyond knowing about you, they would know you. That they would press into that awkwardness when it's, when it starts out awkward and, and trust Lord that that's okay. And that they even be willing to pray 
in a group because they get to connect with you. Thank you for calling us into that kind of relationship. We want to help others experience that too. We use us. We love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a church focused on relational discipleship and located in Missoula, Montana. If you are in the Missoula area, we would love to have you come say hello. For more information about Mission Ridge, connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or online at missionridge.church. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church. We'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for tuning in.